I'm ready. Are you? Cool. I want to speak and continue talking about our Why series this morning. And I'm just going to marry some things together. Sorry about the, the... the thing together there, but I want to talk about this as an introduction to this thing about the same-sex marriage stuff that's facing our nation, that it is actually a really complex issue for everybody, and that we shouldn't be in any doubt that legalising same-sex marriage is about radically redefining marriage, gender, and parenting in our society at this point. I actually believe that it's a confrontation to the very beliefs and ideals that many spirit-led, Bible-believing Christians adhere to, serve to, give to, live out, and teach our children. At its core, I believe, is an attempt to tell the church what it must believe and what it must become. I believe that there's a demonic thing behind it. I believe that we must, though, in the midst of all of this, display grace when there is so much aggression from certain parts of society, whilst still standing firm in our position on these important issues. As I said, I don't think we need to say or do or write anything that is not in keeping with the Spirit of Christ. However, everyone say however. However, let's not bow to pressure to accusations or bullying that is designed to beat us into submission and agreeing with something that we fundamentally are opposed to what we believe and that the Bible teaches. That's why we need to be praying for shame. And the stance that the Sunrise School has come out and publicly stated in our midst. Heavenly Father, I pray for Shane and Christiane and the leadership group over the Sunrise School. I pray for your protection, I pray for divine wisdom, I pray for favour even more into what they're doing and the stance that they've they've made. They have drawn a line in the sand and they said, this is what we believe, this is what we're going to stand for and this is why. And I, Father, pray that you protect them and that you touch their lives in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. The church is, I believe, in an era and a season of being systematically opposed and vilified. I'm the first to agree that I don't believe that the church has behaved well or responded well in the past. Yet, it's still one of the most profound, powerful and positive influences on the lives of family and society that I believe that I know of. So this morning, I want to speak into this why question. And the question I'm going to pose to us this morning is, why I need my church. I'm going to talk about why I need my church. And I'm going to talk about it because I believe that uh, we need to understand some things about the church. Because many wake up on a Sunday morning and they don't give the church a second thought. Church isn't on their radar It is not on their menu. It is something that doesn't, they believe, uh, have any influence or relevance to them. The only time that they would go to a church, possibly, is for a wedding or a funeral. In many minds, it's become irrelevant, impractical, and perhaps an embarrassment. In many minds, it has no answers for their predicaments, for their problems, or for their pains in life. The statistics tell us that 52% of Australians call themselves Christians. Yet of that 52%, only 16% 
actively attend church more than once a month. 30% of South Aussies have no religion at all. So the question we need to ask today is, and I believe it may be being asked by our community and by people who call themselves Christians today, is why do I need the church? And my goal in this message is that it will revive our heart for and deepen our love of God's house. Because I absolutely believe that the church is the hope of the world. It is the hope that this world is looking for. It is the church, the body of Christ. It is the group of believers that call themselves Christians. Church is not a building, it is a group of believers. We need to understand that. See, some never see the amazing benefits of the church. Some see the benefits, but don't do anything about it. Some see the benefits, they pursue them, and they make them a reality in their lives. We all need a feeling of belonging to something, okay? Family, friends, teams, church, whatever. And we will belong to something. Everyone belongs to something. But for some, it will be the wrong something. It will be a gang, a cult. It will be groups or people who will ruin their lives. But for some, it will be the right things. They will belong to the right thing. They'll belong to family and to, to a great church. And when we understand the incredible things that the church offers, it can actually change our lives. I've watched people come into church. They have no affiliation. They have no, no reason to continue on. They're, they're at the, 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 the depths of despair, and they, they find a body of belief. They find a group of people, and it radically transforms the way that their life is going. I've had people come to meetings who were suicidal, And they said, unless God touches me or speaks to me in that meeting, I'm going home to commit suicide. And God speaks to them in that moment and in that instant, and their lives are radically transformed. And they go on and they are hugely successful in what they do. See, we need to understand the incredible things that the church offers. It can change our lives. Sometimes, though, we can lose sight of the amazing benefits that the church offers. So today I'm going to launch into my message, Why I need the church. Psalm 92 verses 12 to 14 says this, those who are planted, everyone say planted, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall, everyone say shall, say it like you mean it, shall, shall, they shall flourish, they shall flourish in the courts of our God, they will still bear fruit in old age. Who wants your life to be productive in the old age? Come on. I mean, I want my life to know that I'm not just going to fall off the perch and, and, and have no further usefulness or anything else like that. I want, to, I want my life to count for something, even into my old age when, when my hair is a little bit greyer than it currently is. When I've lost a little bit more on top and I can get one of those like fancy stick-on rugs on the top of the scone there and I could look trendy once more. Those who are planted in the house of God, those who've made the decision to deliberately and intentionally plant themselves in God's house, shall flourish. I don't know if you know this, but that word shall is like God saying, if you plant yourself in my house, I am going to give you a promise that your life will flourish. 
It's something you can bank on. It's something you can take to, 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 to stand on. It's something you in your life can understand your life is about to flourish because you made a decision to plant yourself in the house of God. Too many people act like pot plants. Pot plants are open and moving around. They'll go from one house to the next house. They are not planted in the house of God. They're a pot plant, easily moved. And, and the church needs more people who are planted here. It doesn't matter what happens in my church. It doesn't matter what happens to the people around about me. This is the place that God has called me to. This is the place I'm going to give to. This is the place I'm going to serve to. Because there are benefits. Because I know that God's given me a promise that when I do that, I'm going to flourish. Get me fired up. <laughs> to flourish means to, it's to thrive. I put thrive on my plants. It's a fertilizer. It works. They, the, the flowers are vibrant and alive. The fruit is delicious. I'll tell you what. If you think uh, uh, that our community garden is, has got blessed land, I want to tell you the size of the strawberries from the last season that we had were like rock melons. <laughs> Almost. Almost, almost. They were massive. They were huge. And I'm telling you, these things don't, like, just weren't big. They were succulent and sweet and juicy. And... <laughs> to flourish is to thrive. It's to succeed. It's to grow and increase, to prosper and to blossom. If you want your life to flourish, you've got to consider where you're going to plant yourself. Psalm 36 verse 8 says, They're abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. Hubba, hubba, hubba. God is just doing an amazing thing. The church is people who are joined together to live, to go, through, uh, to go after our dreams, to pray, to worship, to grow, to change, to marry, to raise families, to go through the hard times and the good times. Being planted means that we belong. This is God's house, his building, and we are a part of it. Alive and vibrant, they're strengthened and, and protected. We're purposeful and we're called to be the salt and light of the world. 1 Peter 2.5 says, you're living stones. You are living stones. That's God, that God's building into his spiritual temple. We are living stones. As living stones, we have a part to play, a part to belong in. See, to belong means that I'm part of something where I can give and I can receive. To belong means that I love, uh, I'm loved and I'm accepted and I feel affection. In other words, I'm cared for. To belong means that I'm not useless. I can make a difference. I am important as a part of the house of God. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the body of Christ. That, you know, not everyone's a nose. Not everybody's an ear. Not everyone's a foot. You know what? It'd be really weird if we were. Really weird. But each of us has a part to play. God has specifically placed us into a bo in his body in a, in a way that accentuates and, and, and makes room for the gifts, the strengths, the abilities that we bring to the body of Christ. And the areas of weakness that we have, God has placed special people around about us to make up for the weaknesses or the areas that we can't do. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not any of his benefits. 
Don't forget the benefit of being a part of God's church. Don't forget the benefit of being a part of who Christ is in our world. So I'm going to give us six reasons why I need my church. You ready for these? Six, six reasons why I need my church. The first one is this. I get to connect with God. The church is where I get to connect with God. Church is a great place to connect with God through the Bible, through powerful, the power of the Holy Spirit, through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't connect to a thought or a philosophy or a divine essence. You okay if we have fun this morning? I was ready for fun this morning. You should see our run sheet. I filled in the song sheet for the, for the team this morning. You know, songs like, How's That? Okay? Uh, there's another one, I Was Made for Love and You. There's another one, I Will Walk 500 Miles. I just wanted to have some fun with the team. It's good. Is that okay? You ready for some fun this morning? Okay. See... We connect to a person, and this person's name is Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For it's God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. In other words, God has revealed Jesus to us. He's, he's given us a revelation of who Jesus is. And when we connect with who Jesus is by faith in Christ, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved, the Bible says. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What that means is that we become a new person. We are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I don't have the DNA anymore of my earthly father. I have the DNA of my heavenly father. I'm a new creation. I've been born again by the Spirit of God. That means I'm, I'm in direct communion and relationship with God, my Father. The church helps us to connect with God through prayer and worship with others. We need a good Sunday to have a great Monday in the week that we go through. I, I, we're in the process of, as a church, just redefining something, realigning some stuff. And we need a good Sunday to have a good Monday. I, if, if I'm wanting to connect with the people around about in my community, it's my community out there. I'm a part of this community. I'm part of the solution. I'm not part of the problem. So if I want to reach out to my community, I'm going to find ideas. God's going to kickstart thoughts and seeds in my spirit and in my heart and in my mind to be able to reach out to my community. He's going to start to shine in areas that I'm, I'm, I'm looking to, to build into my community. How could I see the, the relationship or the, the, the connections with the guy from Park Run unless God shows me and, and reveals those things to me? And he says, this guy I want you to, to start to look at and to start to see as something, uh, that I, someone I'm wanting to connect to. I've got a photo on my iPad and on my phone. Every time I start my iPad or my iPhone, 
God, help me to connect with this guy. God, would you give me opportunity? God, would you open up a door that I can start to see things happen in this man's life? I want to pray for this man's family. I want to pray for his success in business. I want to pray for his parenting as a father. I want to pray for his marriage that it's strong, rock solid, that if he's got any areas of need or if he's got any things that are breaking down in his world, I want you, God, to strengthen him. I want you to touch his life. I want you to give me an opportunity to ask some questions, to get to know him more and more and more. Why? Because I start to have a love for this man. Because he's a part of my community. You know what? He doesn't even live in my community. He lives down in Adelaide but comes up for the park run. He had to come up to the park run to meet me. Don't tell me God's not in this. He's not even a part. There are closer park runs to this guy than he's got up here. I can tell you right now. But God has got his hand on this and I need to recognize that God is wanting me to connect with him. I find that out because I come to church on Sunday. I'm planted in this house and I know what God by the Spirit is, is saying to us as a church about connecting with the people in my community. I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't been in church. I would have known that if I hadn't been connecting with God because my church helps me to connect with God. I just want to punch the devil in the mouth. The church is a place to connect with God through the Holy Spirit using others to pray for us, ministering to us, giving us words of encouragement. Because there's going to be a time when the Holy Spirit's going to use us to minister to other people, to reach out, to give, to serve, to love. God is going to give us God thoughts during the services about our life, our job, our relationships, our decisions that we need to make. Psalm 40 verse 5 says, O Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous and to, to list. You have no equal. I love that song. You have no rival. You have no equal. You know, what a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, it says, I'd never come to the end of them. How good is God, man? You know what I mean? That's just right out there. Scary good. Jeremiah 29.11 says, I know the plans I have you says, for you, says the Lord. Plans of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. John chapter 6 verse 63 says, the spirit, who gives life, the, uh, the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. That's how much God wants to, to, to connect with us. He's, he's given us the church to be able to gather together and, to, and connect with him with. So I need my church because I need... To connect with God through the church. Amen? Number two, to experience love and forgiveness. I need my church to be able to experience love and forgiveness. When we come into a community of believers, we'll encounter the unconditional love and indescribable forgiveness that God gives us freely. Can I, can I say something? This is a community of grace. The symbol of Christianity is the cross. It's not the scales of justice. Stop judging people. Stop, stop like casting judgment on them and, and, and punishing them for the things that they've done wrong. Give them grace. Give them grace. Take them to the cross. You, someone hurts you, someone wounds you, take them to the cross. Take them to the, to the feet of Jesus. Take them into the very presence of God. Don't take them into the courtroom. You, you, you're, you're siding with someone you don't want to side with. You're siding with someone you need to smack in the mouth. That's the enemy. 
You're right. Just being honest. Psalm 86 verse 5 says, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Psalm 130 verses 3 to 4 says, Lord, if you measured and marked us with our sins, who'd ever have their prayers answered? But your forgiving love is what makes you so wonderful. No wonder you are loved and worshipped. What a great opportunity for us to love and worship because he forgives us. Because he loves us. Doesn't that demand a response? I, I can't help myself because of all that God's done for me. I must worship him. I must give myself to him. I must surrender my life to him. I, I feel it being drawn from me because of having experienced his great love and his, and his forgiveness in my life. Luke 15 verse 20 gives us a picture of how the father would respond to people who come back to him. It's the story of the prodigal son. The father is there looking for his kid to come back. And one day he sees this kid on the, on the, the horizon. And this kid comes to his father. But, but when he was a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on him and kissed this kid who'd come back to him. God's not waiting for the big stick to beat us up if we walk away from him in the past. He's waiting to come and love us and encourage us and give us back and restore everything that we'd lost. When we receive forgiveness, we also are able to forgive others and to forgive others and forgive ourselves and to forgive others. Some of you need to forgive yourselves. You need to ease up on yourself. That's why I make daily declarations most mornings. I make declarations over my life. I am loved. I'm unashamed. I'm healed. I'm restored. I'm a man of God. I fight for purity. This is what I do. I make a declaration over my life. I want to shape my world with my words. I want to walk into the fullness of all that God has got for me. I don't need to side with the enemy. We let go of our hurts. We let go of the hurts from others. We stop blaming and becoming angry with someone. We forgive and move on, letting go of grudges, resentment and hatred. Matthew 18, verse 21 to 22, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how often shall I have to forgive my brother who sins against me? Surely seven times is enough, Jesus. And Jesus looks Peter square in the eye and says, no, 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 no. Seventy times seven. What he's really saying is you've always got to forgive him. You've always got to forgive him. There's a, there's a bird that's, that's known as the Clark's Nutcracker. The Clark's Nutcracker, Okay. It collects up to 33,000 pine seeds and buries them in groups of three to four seeds in about 7,000 locations. It has an amazing memory, this particular bird, that during the winter it returns to every one of those 7,000 stockpiles to dig up and eat the seeds. An incredible bird. Incredible bird. So my question to us is, what are we storing away? What are we digging up? Are we digging up grace? Are we extending grace? Are we digging up the sins and the hurts and the, and the wounds of the past? See, the church is a place. I love my church because it's a place I can experience love and forgiveness. Third thing is that we can enjoy spiritual growth. I love my church and I need my church because it's a place I can grow spiritually. Spiritual growth is possible for us and it's God's desire for us. 
And when we commit to Christ and then connect to, connect to a biblically-based, life-giving, Christ-preaching, Holy Spirit-empowered church, I want to tell you, we will grow. We will grow. If we're unfulfilled and frustrated with ourselves, it might be that we're not spiritually growing and transformation of our life and character is needed. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 to 16 says, We'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing and full of love. That's Christ's ideal for the church, the body. He wants us to grow, to grow together. That's why I need my church. I want to grow with people. You know what? I, I don't. Uh, some, sometimes there's rough edges on me. Absolutely, Darrell. Just ask me. I'll tell you every single one of them. I'm gonna... But there's rough edges on me. And what God uses is other people with similar rough edges that we rub up against each other to knock off the rough edges because God wants to shape us into a beautiful image of his son, Jesus. And that's why I need my church. Because I want us to grow spiritually. I want to grow spiritually. And I need people in and around my life. People that tick me off. People that love me. I need every one of them. And I value every one of them for who they are. And helping me to understand. When someone ticks you off, start to, don't, don't blame them. Ask yourself, why am I reacting like this? Why, why? God, help me to understand it. I'm starting to do that more and more. And I'm surprised by what God's showing me. I'm not perfect. I didn't know that. <laughs> 2 Peter 3. Oh, I'm in so much trouble. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Spiritual growth is a process. The work of the Holy Spirit is a process. This works best when we're committed to a church, the body of people that, who are growing together with, and through their gifts and ministry, we also grow. Church teaches us to grow, to get water baptized, to be filled with the Spirit, to, to learn to pray, to worship and grow in the Word of God, to love others well. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. God's at work in his church. He's completing the work that he started in us. Life is about growth, relationally, experientially. And that's why I need my church, because I need to grow spiritually also. Fourth thing. I need my church because I need to establish friendships and relationships. At times we may experience loneliness, isolation, disillusionment, fear, hurts, and disappointments in relationships and friendships. Intimate, healthy friendships and relationships with others are the hub around which life revolves. In church, we learn to relate, to be joined with people and to grow with people. Like I said before, you know, 1 Peter 3, 8 says, Finally, be of one mind, having love for one another, love as brothers, tender-hearted and courteous. Galatians 6, 2 says, Bear with one another, Bear with one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, the law of Christ is you need to love your neighbor as yourself. See, most people have contact with about 500 to 2,500 acquaintances each year. 20 to 100 core friends 
who know each other by name, but only one to seven people that they could call an intimate friend. Intimate friends are those who are involved in our life. Church provides a context for this to become a reality where friendships are formed that can last a lifetime and even sometimes are generational. In other words, my children are friends of children in and around me that go on. I'm friends with the people, so my children are friends. And there's a, like a multi-generational friendship and relationship that occurs. We do church and life together. Church provides a consistency to an atmosphere, a place to meet, to pray, worship, to do ministry, serve together, and meet friends for life. Robert Louis Stevenson said this, So long as we love, we serve. No man is useless while he is a friend. And I think that's important. Number five. <clears throat> I need my church because it's actually a guarantee of healthier family life. I need my church because it's a guarantee of a healthier family life. See, having a covenant relationship to Christ makes us a person of covenant character. We understand commitment. It's how we do relationships, marriage and parenting. A covenant person is one who lives by covenant principles. Becoming a covenant person in church means becoming a better covenant person. When we make our, our marriage covenant, the church is there to help us in every way. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ who loved the church and gave himself for her. This is interesting. Malachi chapter 2, verse 14. You can almost like hear this as a conversation. You know, uh, husbands, love your wives. And then Malachi says, for what reason? And he goes on and says, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. I love that. Marriage is a man and a woman. A husband and wife who enter into relationship, which they accept full responsibility and commit themselves to regardless of the problems. Having a church will help us to raise our families. There'll be teaching on parenting in our services, in our playgroup, in our connect groups. Our God Chasers team teaching children how to live and develop character. Our Futures youth who are saying to our teens the things that we're saying to them but they need to hear from someone else. Because mum and dad said it can't be true, but if my youth leader says it, well, that's a different thing. They're going to be taught respect, how to stay pure, run from drugs, drugs are trouble, serve others, be successful, to call out destiny and the potential of our young people. Here's, here's a question. What if there was a well-researched and statistically proven program that on average can do the following things like this? Increase the average life expectancy of our children by eight years. Significantly reduce our child's use and risk from alcohol, tobacco and drugs. Dramatically lower their risk of suicide. Help them rebound from depression 70% faster. 
dramatically reduce their risk for, for committing crime, improve their attitude at school and increase their school participation, reduce their risk for rebelliousness, reduce the likelihood that they will binge drink in high school or university, improve their odds for a very happy life, provide them with a lifelong moral compass, Provide children with a caring, extended family. Get them to wear their seatbelts more often. It statistically improves the odds that they will lead an active church life in their adult years. All of those things have been researched by Duke University, Indiana University, the University of Michigan the Center for Disease Control, the Barna Research Group, the Gallup People, the National Institute for Healthcare Research in the United States. Those things are statistically proven to have been the benefit of people who, on a regular basis, are rewarded with significantly reduced likelihood of life problems and risky behaviors and significantly improve their odds of a happier, healthier, and longer life because they are actively engaged in a faith community. That's powerful. That's society shaping. That's community transformation. Because... Of a church. So, I'm about to make myself possibly unpopular and the subject of some criticism. My question to us is this if being a part of a church provides all of that, are we deliberately and intentionally and regularly removing our kids from this environment of life and transformation just to play sport? to go to the zoo or to someone's party. And I'm not looking at anyone. <laughs> the key is regularly. You know, one-off things, fine, understand that. You know, family events, cool, no problem. But if it's regular, if you're away more than you're in, a, in an environment, a faith community environment, if you're away more, I've got to ask the question, why would you stop your kid experiencing those things, those benefits? I posted up something on today on the church website from Steve McCracken. It's his Believing in You devotional for today. This is what Steve says. This is the prophet that we're coming to have to our church, to speak into the life of our church. Don't tell me he's not in tune with the Spirit of God and where we're at as a church. He says, good morning, people who have set their hearts fully towards God. 2 Chronicles 12, 14, NIV says, he, King Rehoboam, did evil because he did not set his heart on seeking the Lord. Steve says, this is a little sentence that says a lot. Sometimes our decisions towards God are too casual. I believe God is looking for some wholehearted people who will truly put him first. This is not only in times of convenience, but at all times. I believe God is looking for some devoted people who will truly hunger and thirst after righteousness. People who have made a resolute decision to make God number one and to do all things his way. I believe God is looking for some people who will covenant with him to making, uh, make seeking him, knowing him and loving him the greatest pursuit and passion of their lives. 
are you such a person? God's talking to us, church. God's talking to us. It's no coincidence that it's today that Steve puts that, that thing up on his, his post. Active, parent is, acting, active parenting is absolutely vital. But it also takes a caring village to raise a child. Okay? I, I say this at all of our, our baby dedications. You know, it's great to have parents, but sometimes you need people around about you to help to do that as well. Extended families stimulate the intellectual, social, and spiritual development of children through long-term caring relationships and good churches, which I believe this is one, can provide this in bucket loads. We can do this. See, the church teaches kids and youth how to develop their internal life, which is a proven stress reliever and problem-solving skill. The church offers a family atmosphere to children from broken homes and whose relatives are far-flung and distant. Church life allows kids to see their parents demonstrating their values and engaging the world outside of their home. Parents, your kids are watching what you do. How do they receive you when it comes to being planted in the body of Christ. Church life challenges children and youth to manage their priorities and challenge them to lead less self-centered lives. The church offers peer support and guidance to parents through lessons, sermons, Bible passages, prayer and worship. It actually opens up young people to a world of ideas and history. The practice of traditions and rituals actually helps them to develop a sense of their place in the story. All of these things and more highlight the impact of the village raising children. Not to mention the life benefits from knowing a loving and forgiving God. Simply put, the search for what works... In the search for what works, researchers keep turning up active, regular participation in a faith community as the one consistent, potent factor in raising kids to be successful, happy, healthy, and engaged adults in a world and, and, and in our church. It's time for the church to again speak up about this, especially to parents. Karate classes, soccer, getting good grades... While wonderful in their own right, they're good things. They're not, there's nothing wrong with them. But they're a poor substitute for their children's need for an extended faith family. Research backs it up. And if you want the information, I've got a website here you can look at and you can go for in your heart's content to, to check it out for yourself. Number six, the last one. And I'll spend just a couple of minutes on this one. I need my church because it helps me to achieve a better life balance. Church is a life-teaching place. We believe in living life and living it to the full. We believe a life that honors God is a life that God honors. God desires to favor and bless us, to honor us, to prosper us and make us successful in life. And the church actually helps us to live a great life and be successful without destroying our life. Psalm 84 verse 11 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. 
The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. John 10.10, 10, it's a common passage. It says, the, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come so you can have life and have it more abundantly. And the church encourages us to keep right priorities, to love God, love people, and make disciples. To always to be a giver, to, to always be a servant, to, to honor God in everything that we do. To, and God will bless us. He, he, he it touches our lives. He smiles down upon us. So saints, this is why I need the church. Because it helps me to connect with God. It helps me to experience love and forgiveness. That I get to grow spiritually. That I can have established friendships. That my family has a greater guarantee of a healthier life. And it's going to help me to achieve a better life balance. I actually do believe that the church... The local church is the hope of the world. So my question to us this morning is this. Why do you need your church? Why do you need your church? Let's stand. I've asked the question this morning, why do we need our church? The next time I speak, I'm going to talk about why the church needs you. Because I think it's a fair question. I only felt actually to pray into one specific area this morning. And that's this. That God would revive our love for and of God's house. His people, his church. Life happens. There's no doubting that. And I'm sure that all of us could relate stories and tell stories of how the church hurt us. But I think we need to get past that. And say, this is his bride. This is the bride that he loves. He gave his life for. Help me to once more, Lord, fall in love with your bride, with the people around about me. The church is not the pastor doing it all. I want to say that right up front. The church is all of us doing what we can to help people, to love people, to meet needs within the community and within the church itself. We need to stand around people like Shane and Christiane as they make a stand publicly being vilified in news media. Other people who are at the forefront, at the cutting edge of standing up for righteousness in our society, we need to be standing up for those. This Tuesday, between 12 noon and 1 p.m., I'm going to be here praying for this marriage plebiscite vote that's going to be happening. If you would like to join me, the door and the invitation is there for you to do so. 12 noon, 1 p.m., that's what we're going to say. In this church on Tuesday, if you'd like to join me, I'd love to be have you there. We're just going to pray for this whole thing.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. And my sincere heart, my sincere request of you today, Holy Spirit, is this. Help us to fall again in love with your bride. Help us to once more have a passion for your house. Your word says, passion for the house of God consume me. Lord, help that same passion arise within our hearts today. Help us to once more absolutely get behind your house, your church, your bride. Help us to to know that we are planted in this place, that we shall flourish, that we connect with you through this house, Lord God. We have gifts and skills that we can contribute to people around about us. Help us once more to have a passion for your house. Do that in my heart. Do that in your heart, Lord God. Father, help us to take a hold of that and to run with it. Father, I ask you that in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.